It's Tommy West Coast Rob, man. And welcome to my podcast, You Bitch. You are now listening to Yad Ass the Podcast, hosted by West Coast Rob. The thoughts, views, and opinions you may hear on this show are just that. Thoughts, views, and opinions from not only myself, but from my guests. So if you don't like them, disagree with them, or whatever the case may be, well, there's a simple solution to all of that, and that's just stop listening. However, if you're eager to hear the conversation we had, sit back, turn it up, and enjoy the show. Yeah, that. Welcome back to another episode of Yet at the Podcast, hosted by yours truly, West Coast Rob. That is I. That is me. We are back with another episode. First and foremost, thank you guys for tuning in. And gals, thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode. Um, to recap, the last episode, we had 3D Oddity artist Kat McClain as a guest. You know, it was, it was only fitting we had her on. She is known for her um, her porcelain dolls, which she takes and she creates and makes some all kinds of um, characters other than what they normally are. She'll make them little devils and demons and bearded ladies and all kinds of stuff. You should check her out most definitely at... Uh, her page on Instagram at Cat's Creepy Creations. Her dolls are are nice. Like they're crazy looking. She's very talented. She's an oddity artist. She also does art with um, human bones and pictures and deer, as you've seen in the episode. And if you haven't seen an episode, check out the episode on YouTube. You can see what I'm talking about in regards to some of her art as she displays it during the interview but uh, also check her out on instagram at cats creepy creations and freaks antiques and uniques on instagram she's based out of salem massachusetts but that was the last episode episode 19 episode 20 we have special guest you know i i mentioned it um a couple episodes ago that you know i was intrigued with cornhole so i reached out and um, I was able to get the director of media from the American Cornhole League, Mr. Trey Ryder, as a guest today on the episode. And we just go over cornhole as a sport, you know, the beginnings, where it's going, the rules. You know, you get to know about Trey a little bit more, um, how he became uh, the director of media. He was prior to that, he was an announcer on um on espn announcing cornhole and we just go into all that so check out the episode if you're a fan of cornhole like i am now then you'll definitely definitely enjoy this episode so please tune in and listen and let me know what you think make sure you you like it comment rate it etc etc you know what to do but enjoy the episode with today's guest mr trey Ryder the director of media for the American Cornhole League. All right, all right. So now we're, we're good to go. We're recording. Everything's good to go. 
Sweet. All right. Awesome. First, I want to say thank you for taking the time out and to be on the show, be a guest on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, no problem at all. If you don't mind, would you please introduce yourself to the listeners and the viewers out there? Yeah, so I am Trey Ryder, uh, Chief Marketing Officer for the American Cornhole League, um, and most of my time is spent um, overseeing our social media, media content, um, and, and other initiatives for the American Cornhole League. I also do um, uh, a small part of my job now is still doing some broadcasting for the sport as an analyst. Okay. Um, but then also, like I said, things like social media, our newly launched 24 hour channel, uh, ACL cornhole TV, um, as well as our ACL digital network are all things that are, are kind of on my plate. Right on. Now I have a, an abundance of questions in regards to cornhole and everything, but first I want to, I want to, Get to know you a little more, though. So, uh, Clemson alum, I've seen that in your profile. Yep, that is correct. Clemson okay. alum. Okay, are you from South Carolina? So, not from South Carolina originally. I was actually born in Massachusetts, but moved uh, when I was in elementary school. We moved, uh, My parents moved me down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So, that's where okay. I went to middle and high school. Um, and so from there, I ended up going, uh, jumping over down the border into South Carolina. So, uh, okay. bounced around a little bit, but ultimately made my way back here into Rock Hill, South Carolina, where I live now. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have friends from Rock Hill and I know that border it's right there on that border. So easy access to North and South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right on the border about, I'm about 25 minutes from, from North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm really from San Diego, but I had to move to South Carolina, like right outside Myrtle beach. So the Clemson Gamecocks memorabilia. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah. I'm, I'm accustomed to all that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it, it'll, it's, it's always a fun one. It's always a good one to get to. And it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's a fun rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Clemson on the, on the better, better side of that rivalry for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah, and hopefully it extends this year, although I'm a lot more nervous than I was at the start of the season. I'll oh, say yeah. That much. oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how old are you, Trey? Uh, so I am, geez, how old am I now? 28 years old. Oh, man, so, young, Yeah, just man. turned 28 in September. Okay, you're young, man. I'm, I'm 36, <laughs> so I got some years on you. Yeah, a couple, a couple. Yeah, before okay. I, before I know it, I'll uh, I'll be uh, I'll I'll be up there too. But there yeah, you. still still trying to live through my twenties, I guess. There you go. There you go. It's nothing wrong with being in the thirties, though. I just give you that. Give oh you yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> so I seen that the the ACL's headquarters is in Rock Hill, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. we just we just opened our what we call our ACL HQ, mm -hmm. which is our corporate world headquarters. Just opened that. Um, very nice. Really, we got in there for office space in in around uh, it was late May, I think, that we got in there for office space. But we just opened to the general public um, in August, okay. so it kind of doubles as a as an office space and also kind of um, what we call the ACL HQ, which is is kind of like a think bowling alley meets cornhole. It's yeah. kind of one of the first of its kind facilities. Um, you know, we have a bar, we have, uh, 13 lanes of permanent cornhole courts, mm -hmm. you know, bag rentals. We open it up to court lane rentals. We have special events. We have, I mean, just 
a, a variety of different things um, all centered around the HQ. Yeah, I've seen it online on the website. That place looks very nice, like very nice, very yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and being kind of the first of its kind, it draws a lot of eyes and a lot of attention. Okay. So what drew you to like Cornhole and being a part of the organization? So, yeah, so I... Uh, the first time I ever went to uh, or really saw a cornhole tournament played was was at a uh, Charlotte Knights AAA baseball game, and um, I went with my dad, and we saw, you know, we had played at tailgates, and we were pretty coordinated. My dad was a two-sport athlete in college. I played, you know, football and baseball in high school, and so um, we were just like, you know, this is you know, we're, we're pretty good. Right. Uh, we could be pretty good at cornhole. Right? right. So we entered the tournament. We just got to have our butts absolutely kicked. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, we had some guys in there that, that played on a semi-competitive basis and just waxed the floor with us. And so, you know, we, we generally genuinely were interested, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for us to get beat badly at something, it was like, all right, now I gotta, now I gotta figure out how to get better right. at this thing. So, you know, we got, we got some information and, and really just said, we, you know, we want to start going to these things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we kind of got plugged into the leagues around us and, and, and just started playing. And so I played until I graduated high school. Um, and when I went off to college, I couldn't play as much. My dad continued to play and that's why he's still really good. He's, he's actually one of our professional players, nice. but, um, we, you know, I, we continued to, I continued to play after I graduated, um, and, and just getting more involved with the sport. And then the ACL came around in 2015, um, okay. and they had their first championships in 2016. And so, uh, my dad kind of got involved. He met Stacy Moore, who was our commissioner through some, through, through some different, um, tournaments that he was running in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as Stacy started to build this ACL, I was, uh, you know, my dad kept telling me, you know, he's really trying to build this out, make it something really big, really special. And I was like, nah, it's not, I mean, it's just cornhole, yeah. you know, I love it. But yeah. And then, you know, they kind of got a big break on ESPN three in 2016. And that's when my wheels started to turn a little bit like, oh, okay, this is actually something that's, Going you know, somewhere. can be, can be big. Yeah. So, you know, when 2017 rolled around, um, I found myself more and more, you know, just amazed with with the growth and, and how it was building. And they were looking for a color commentator. Um, and although I didn't have any broadcast experience, I was I considered myself pretty well spoken. I was someone that was very analytical, having an engineering background. Mm-hmm. And I had a passion for the game. And I was very analytical when I thought about the game and talked about the game. Yeah. And so... Um, when they were looking for a color commentator, I kind of threw my hat in the ring and I got a call from Stacy that they, they liked me enough that they wanted to give me a shot. So I, I flew out to Vegas and had my first event in Las Vegas. And, uh, from there really kind of the rest is history. I, I, I did a couple broadcasts. We ended up on ESPN two that summer in July. Uh, it was a really special time. It, it was, it was, uh, really cool to be a part of it. And then my role just built from there. I, I started doing commentary and then we tacked on kind of a social media manager type of role. And then on top of that, after that, we, we tacked on, you know, a media director role, which was kind of overseeing a lot of different things. And then ultimately in January of this year, I, I uh, transitioned full time 
into being a chief marketing officer. Okay, so no more commentating for you. Well, no, I still do the commentating okay. on on, some, on networks, but it's just a, it's a lot smaller portion of my role now than okay. what it used to be. I mean, that used to be everything for me, right? right. Now it's now it's really like five to ten percent of what of what I do now. It's just this much okay. smaller portion. Okay, and I think that's what drew me to you because. Um, so I'm in the military and, you know, going to parties and, and stuff, cornhole is a thing. So yeah, I, I never knew about cornhole until joining the military. And I'm like, what is this game that everyone like yeah. loves playing with the custom boards and the bags? I'm like, what is this game? And I'm like, bro, this is cornhole. Like, what? Is, where have you been? Like, <laughs> you know? So then I started seeing it on TV and I was like, wait, yeah. this is professional. You can be a professional cornhole player. That's nuts yeah. to me. So my neighbor, yeah. this past Memorial Day, he has like custom rogue cornhole board. So I'm out there just, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm going I'm to get into this. So then yeah. I played, started watching it. And I believe you were commentating one of the events I was watching. And you were saying like the moves or something. And I was like, what? Like, what is this? <laughs> so I looked you up and that's how I, I, I got your contact info. And I was like, what is the... It was just, it was hype. I was intrigued because you were like, oh, he's about to do a blah, 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 blah. And then he did it. The person did it. And then and you went you went crazy. And I was like, what is going on? So I was like, I have to learn more. I have to learn more. And here we are. Here we are. So yeah, it's, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's an addicting sport. Yeah. You know, it's something that when, when someone, we, we hear this story over and over again. It's, I was flipping through the channels. And it came on and I said to myself, what is this? Why is this on TV? But then 10 minutes later, I found myself still watching and right. still interested to see what happens. And that's kind of that's kind of where we like to live. We like to be yeah. subtly addicting. That's kind of mm -hmm. the phrase we use, subtly addicting. It's something that it catches your eye and keeps your curiosity just for long enough to get you hooked. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then you become a fan. Right. Like, I'm, and I'm open-minded to everything, you know. And it's just playing it. I didn't know the point scale and all that. So today I I learned the point scales and all that stuff. If, for those that, who don't understand Cornell, can you break down the like, general basis of points and rules and, and all that? Yeah, so Cornhole, pretty pretty simple game. Um, you can either play singles or doubles. Mm -hmm. um, and you start by, uh, you will alternate throwing four bags cornhole bags and a cornhole bag is a piece of fabric or multiple pieces of fabric um, that are that have plastic resin beads inside of them um, they are 16 ounces so a pound oh, wow. in weight okay. and you will alternate with an opponent throwing four bags each until all eight bags have been thrown and you are throwing them 27 feet down a lane towards another cornhole board at the other end uh, that cornhole board is three inches from the ground on the front and about 12 to 13 inches from the ground on the back. Um, the whole, I mean, the board is a two foot by four foot board with a six inch diameter hole, um, nine inches from the back of the board. So you're essentially trying to throw as many bags into the hole as you can for every bag that you get on the board. You get one point for every bag that you get in the hole, you get three points, but then we utilize, utilize cancellation scoring. So okay. if I were to put three bags in the hole and one bag on the board, that would be 10 points. 
If you put two bags in the hole and one bag in the board, that's seven points. So we would subtract those out. 10 minus seven would be three points. And I would get three points towards my overall score. And you play to 21 or over. You don't have to hit 21 exactly. You don't have to win by two. Um, and so if you're in singles play, you'll play against an opponent. And then you'll, you'll both throw your four bags alternating. Then you'll walk down to the other end. If you're playing doubles play, we'll, I'll throw against, uh, throw against my opponent right next to me. We're all to now for our four bags. And then my, my teammate is going to stand directly in front of me on the same side of the board. Uh, whereas my opponent, uh, my opponent's partner will be diagonal from me on the other end. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's addicting, man. Do you guys do it to where, like, if you're playing singles and say I throw a bag and it's on the board, and then you throw a bag and it's on the board, is a deduction type thing? Is it is that a part of the rules also? Yeah, the cancellation scoring always happens at the end of the round. Okay. So okay. if, for example, if you put a bag in the center of the mm -hmm. board, right, that's valued at one point, but then I push your bag mm -hmm. in, you'll still you'll get three points valued for that bag. And but then at the end of the round, you'll subtract how many points you have and how many points I have to give us whoever that net score is adding to the total. Score. Okay. So is there a time limit on like the the number of events or rounds until twenty one? Yeah. So most of the time, we just play to twenty one or over. Mm -hmm. There's not a time limit um, involved, so they can they can be last long. I mean, they can be oh, hour long man. games. Most Jeez. most frequently. Yeah, most frequently they're about fifteen to twenty minutes. Um, okay. is, is usually the time, but they can be super long. Um, yeah. But I will say, in some of our events, in some of our exhibition events, mm -hmm. um, we will do a modified format to add some intensity and to make it more made for TV. And we'll we'll limit the number of rounds that the game is played. So similar to baseball and innings, yeah. we'll say this yeah. round is only going to be. 12 rounds and if it's if, if after 12 rounds the score is seven to five then whoever had seven wins okay. um that's okay. not traditional cornhole but that's a format that sometimes we use um specifically in in our pro shootout series which happens over the summer on cbs networks um that that shootout series is going to be round limited versus traditional cornhole that you see on our espn series oh, okay okay so with the with becoming a pro, I, I, I seen anyone can, can play, anyone can join. Um, are there like different, I seen there was like four skill levels. Does that apply to pros or is that just like exhibition or amateur? Yeah. What's great is we have five overall skill levels, which is really cool. Okay. Um, novice, intermediate, competitive, advanced, and pro. Okay. And so that ranges all the way from, you're just getting involved for the first time. You don't really know how to play. You just want to, you know, want to learn how to play the game at the novice level, all the way to our professional players, in which um, some of them are doing this as a full-time job. Others are aspiring to do it as a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, so cornhole. Um, so, so we have all of these different events. Uh, the the ones as a national staff that we oversee are mostly our. Uh, a pro level events. Um, but then we also sprinkle in some combined pro and advanced level tournaments um, throughout the season. But then what's really cool is we have a director network of over 350 directors across the country. And those directors will run tournaments ranging from 
your Tuesday night bar league for anybody that wants to walk up and pay five bucks and play, all the way to something like a conference event that may bring together players of three different states together competing for tens of thousands of dollars in prize money uh, a couple times a year. So there's there's a, a variety of different tournament levels. There's a variety of different skill levels. Um, and that's what makes it such a, such a great sport to get involved in is because you can start by playing against people of your skill level, oh. or you can jump right in. And if you think you can take on the best, we encourage it. We hope, we hope you qualify to be a pro um, the, the next coming season. Um, so we have a, a pro qualification process and, and, and a variety of other, you know, um, you know, tournaments that we host all throughout the season and it all leads up to, to our world championships, which happens, uh, which happens each year in August. Okay. So what's, how long is a season uh, normally? Yeah. So we, it's pretty much year round, okay. right? So our world championships, our world championships is the first week in August. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our our season restarts October first. Okay. So if that gives you any indication, <laughs> we don't take much time off um, because cornhole can be. I mean, especially you know it's so uh, cornhole can be so mobile and be played anywhere yeah. that you know inside outside. I mean, it doesn't require you know a lot of infrastructure to host mm-hmm. it. So we we kind of lean on that and, and make it really a. A year on sport. Now, is the ACL like I know you guys are big connoisseurs. Are you guys like like internationally like trying to expand? Yeah, so um, we're in. We have we're in about fifteen countries at the moment, um, oh, and that ranges okay. from full blown like leagues and tournaments and cha- national championships all the way to you know we got a group of about thirty people in a country that are starting the basis yeah. for. Uh, forming a, a big league in that country, and, and ultimately, you know, cornhole cornhole is gonna be an Olympic sport one day. Um, yeah. we, we know that <laughs> it's just crazy. a question of when. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's we have to get in seventy five countries in order for cornhole to be an Olympic sport. So okay. one of the things that we 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 uh, well, that's a big focus for us. We have dedicated people on staff that their entire goal is focusing on international expansion and growth. So mm-hmm. really excited to kind of see how that plays and, and how that, how that evolves. Um, but ultimately it's um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're in about 15 countries at the moment trying to really build out um, across all different countries and continents. You ever aspire to be pro or are you a pro? Uh, no, I would say a long time ago I, I wanted to be, um, but I'm just so much in my own head when I when I start to play the game competitively. Um, I'm I, like I mentioned before. I'm super analytical, and I just find myself overanalyzing every little thing that I do. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately, that doesn't that doesn't bode well for me. So <laughs> I am I am glad to throw some bags every now and then. I'm glad to you know playing a charity charity tournament here or there but i am i am glad to not have all the pressure on me on the pro side yeah it's uh it's harder than people think like playing and then watching like the pros out there on tv like they're literally throwing it in the hole from 27 like landing in the hole that is absurd absurd yeah it, what what's so cool and i think this is part of the reason that cornhole is becoming so popular is that it's actually pretty it's not very difficult to get good at mm-hmm. or decent at, right? right? But to be the next level, 
to be a professional, it requires the same level of dedication that you see other athletes in their sports, mm -hmm. right? I mean, these people that are competing at the highest level, they're throwing hours and hours a day. You know, they're throwing a thousand bags a day, right? They're, they're training in the same way an athlete would. Um, but what makes it so difficult is that, you know, that six inch hole is, is the first, one of the first things that people, people make two comments when they don't see professional cornhole played for the first time, right? they, or they see it played for the first time. When they walk up to the boards, they go, number one is, wow, yeah. that's far away. Yeah. And number two, they go, wow, these bags are heavier than I thought they would be. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that, you know, it, it takes a long time for people to adjust and really get the, you know, the rhythm down of, of, of how cornhole is played at the highest level. Yeah. Like, I mean, I kind of, my res I got more respect for cornhole players now, like playing and then watching. It's just, you just think, oh, I'm going to toss this beanbag into this hole over here. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that simple. Then there's like the techniques of how you throw it. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It's it's unbelievable the the control and the manipulation that some of these players have over the bags and things that they can make it do. It's just some of them are, for lack of a better word, they're just magicians. Yeah. Oh man, I can see it. Is there so is there like an eligibility that the pros have to obtain within the season, or is once you're a pro, you're a pro forever? Yeah. So they do have to. They have to. Uh, there's a variety of different ways that pros can either qualify for the first time. Uh, existing pros can re-qualify um, a variety of different methods. But the easiest easiest way to break it down is if you're a current pro, excuse me, if you're a current pro, you can re-qualify via pro standings. Okay. If you finish high enough in the rankings, you automatically get to come back the next season. Okay. Um, if you're not a pro, we have standings um, for, uh, for amateurs that we call open standings. And if you finish in the top X amount of open standings, which includes anybody across the country, mm -hmm. if you wanted to start playing cornhole and compete in open standings and finish high enough, you could automatically qualify to be a pro um, next season. Um, mm -hmm. that, those are the kind of the two major ways, whether you're a pro or a non-pro. And then kind of the third way that anybody can do is we every year we have a variety of different qualifier events. Um, we have one big qualifier event at our world championships, which which people can play in and register for. It's a huge event, and we only take a certain number from each uh, from, from the event. And then we also offer qualifier events for each ACL conference across the country. So um, you being on the West Coast, if if you know um, the Western Conference in the ACL always hosts a, a, a conference pro qualifier. If you win that pro qualifier you become an ACL pro the following season. So it's a mixture of both events um, and then also standings that, that, that count events throughout the course of a season. Okay. And so similar to, so I'm a pro bodybuilder. So it's similar to like the bodybuilding shows. There's different shows and there's qualifiers. You win the show, then you can qualify to become a pro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The same concept. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So now, so the correlation between the two sports once you're in the in the ACL, I know there's another organization. You're not allowed to to compete in that one, correct? Uh so if if all of our professional open? players essentially are are competing 100% in our ACL Pro Division, um, they'll compete right. in some other uh, open events that we had. Remember, I mentioned open standings. They'll play in those throughout the yep. entire season. But 
the slate of what we got, they're they're committed, they're 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 contracted to play in our events, and they're dedicated to those. That's good. That's good. Yeah, because I seen there was another another organization, and I was like, oh, man, nah. <laughs> ACL seems legit. So I got to ask the question. So there, you guys are on the path of trying to make it an Olympic sport and building the sport. Do you guys? I mean, I know you, you've heard the like the stigma. You get the the criticisms of it not being a sport or whatever, whatever. Like, what what's your take on that? Uh, you know, I, 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 I take it and just say, hey, just just watch it for a little bit. Yeah. Just play it a little bit. And yeah. I think your mind would change because I think just like you said, people gain an appreciation for our sport once they actually – see what some of our athletes can do um and and how consistent and unbelievable they can be and when i look at other olympic sports and other opportunities i just say to myself you know there's equal if not more skill involved with you know with cornhole in some facets you know take something like curling right right i mean curling curling has become such a big popular thing in the winter olympics and i think cornhole has a lot of similarities but i think it has a lot of things that make it somewhat even more exciting, right? Yeah. I mean, Cornell in a way has is almost like 3D curling because curling <laughs> is essentially just played on a plane, right? Yeah. But Cornhole can have different ways that bags interact with each other and they go on top of each other and they go around and, and to the side and through. It's just, it's just played a little bit differently. Um, yeah. You know, look at something like bowling. Bowling is... You know, I think the one thing that separates cornhole from a sport like bowling is you can play defense in cornhole. You can't play defense in bowling. You can't play defense in golf, right? Yeah. Because if your opponent is is playing the game of their life, there's nothing that you can do to stop them. In cornhole, that's not the case. If you have someone that's on a really big street, there are things that you can do um, to your opponent to make them change their strategy and to possibly um, set them up to, to, to miss shots moving forward. Right. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, certainly, um, it is, it's a sport that gets a lot of snickers, yeah. um, when you, when, when you originally mention it, but ultimately it's something that, um, I think people grow to have an appreciation for once they get immersed in it. Right. And I, I don't see why it, it couldn't, or it won't be an Olympic sport. I mean, people, like you said, those, those two sports you've referenced, and then there's like airsoft and just other like archery. I mean, there's other sports that are. You know, right? So why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? So with, with the I didn't know the defense and all that stuff. Like what? So how would one play defense on cornhole? Like how is that? Yeah. So the highest percentage shot um, in cornhole, the one that's played the most out of anything, is what we call the slide shot, mm -hmm. and that's a player throwing the bag, trying to land in the center of the board, and sliding up and into the hole. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about it. When you throw a slide shot, the reason you throw a slide shot is because you have a little bit of room for error. If you throw what we call an airmail, yeah. which is kind of like a squish in basketball, yeah. I throw it straight in, you're throwing uh, you know, a six-inch bag into a six-inch hole 27 feet away. Statistics tell you um, you know, with no defense, that's a harder shot than, uh, that's actually a harder shot than uh, an NBA three-pointer. Mm -hmm. Now I know that that get a lot of eye rolls and everything like that, <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, statistically, that's, that is, that is, 
you know, that is the case. Of course. Um, Makes sense. So what a slide shot is just higher percentage because you don't have to hit exactly on a dime every single time. Mm-hmm. And so the reason is so people throw a slide shot. So if I don't want you to be able to do that anymore, if I don't want you to be able to throw the slide shot over and over and over again, I can lay a, a what we call a block shot. I can I can throw the bag higher, land it in the center of the board, and now if you threw that same slide shot, my bag would stop or your bag would stop or any of our bags would just stop in the center of the board. And so you're essentially right. creating, um, you're creating chaos. You're creating a mess on the board, causing players to have to do something different. You know, whether that means now I have to throw the airmail or maybe I have to throw it a little bit harder and push through it. Or maybe I, I, I step out a little bit and I try to go around it and I try to throw my bag at an angle. Maybe I throw a cut shot or, you know, all these different strategies <laughs> get unleashed. Um, with with defense involved in the game, and I think that's really what sparks the conversation. And even even you know, I, I saw a little bit of a chuckle there when I said cut shot, but I think that's what genuinely probably interested you, right? Yeah. Because when you turned you tuned in, you saw me talk about something, some level of strategy to it, yeah. and that's when you got interested. You were like, "Whoa, wait a second, what yeah. did he just say?" And so that's when you got hooked. And I think that's not true with something like bowling, right? In bowling, you know, how many times can you say that this person's going to try to spin it this way and hit it? Now, bowling commentators and bowling TV love when people miss because if they miss, that means they get an opportunity to talk about the splits. They get to talk about what they're going to try to do. And that's when bowling can become interesting, whereas cornhole gets that every single round, which makes it special. So in order to play – so playing defense, like using the example – that would more so be towards like someone who's like in the lead because you're like somewhat sacrificing possible points to block. No? Possibly yes, possibly no. Um, so, for example, there are some top-level players that regardless if they're winning or losing, if they have the opportunity to go first, they're going to put a block in the middle of the board every single round. And, and the reason for that mm. is they believe that playing that style of game is an advantage to them. Because if then the person after them, you know, if they don't have a good airmail shot, if they don't have a good push shot, if they don't have all these fancy different shots, right, it causes them to do something different. If you look at something like a, um, really, you're just putting your opponent into into something like, look at it, let's look at a football analogy, right? If I have a team that has incredible, has just an incredible running game, right? I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna play a game where I throw eight defensive backs on the field, right? I'm gonna right. throw. Right. I'm gonna put some some beefy linebackers. I'm gonna put eight eight guys in the box. I'm gonna play man to man coverage, and I'm gonna say you're gonna have to throw the ball, right? And so cornhole's the same way. If I know the person next to me can literally slide eighty bags in the hole in a row, but their airmail is eh. They can't really push the bag that well. You better believe I'm going to put a block right in the middle of it because now I'm taking them away from their strength and possibly into a strength of mine. And I'm okay sacrificing that one point at the beginning if it ultimately means that I can get three points on the back end of the round. Dang, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. <laughs> what are what are uh, <laughs> what are some other like shots or technique names? I'm trying to learn. So, so the, the, you know, we have five main shots. Okay. So the five main shots are the slide shot, the block shot, the push shot, the airmail, and then the roll, 
So players nowadays, it's actually a newer shot just in the past year and a half or so. It's become a thing. Players have learned how to naturally roll the bag, meaning that they can land it. And if you put a blocker up, I can land behind it and have my bag roll over it on purpose, um, which is just absolutely incredible. So, you know, players are learning that. There are things like, you know, a bully bag, which is pushing your opponent's bag out of the way and going in the hole at the same time. Oh, you, have a cut, a, you have a cut shot, which is cutting, which has a bag go left to right or right to left around some bags on the board. Um, you know, the, the, the crowd favorite, the and one, the and one shot, which is I throw an airmail that hits my opponent's bag off the board while I go in the hole. Uh, people love the and one shot. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's all different types of lingo. There's all these different <laughs> shots that people are just kind of like creating and have to find names for. That is so cool. That is so cool. So for everybody out there listening, don't don't sleep on it until you actually watch it and participate and learn it. Because it's, it's actually pretty cool. Like I picked up, uh, during COVID, I picked up cycling. And when I told a couple of my buddies, they are like, what? Riding, riding the bike? What? Why? But cycling is yeah. legit. So you watch it and you learn. It's just same concept. You know? Yep. Same yes. concept. Exactly. Same concept. That is awesome. But uh, what else? I got some. Dang, I, I can't think of my other questions right now. Can't think of my other questions. Uh, you guys got a... So your main hub's in, in Rock Hill. You guys have another location, like a, like a co-headquarters? Uh, so no, mostly based in, uh, completely based in Rock Hill, but we do have two facilities here in Rock Hill. One of them is, like I said, our ACL HQ, our corporate world headquarters. Mm -hmm. um, but our second facility is a manufacturing facility where we work with All Cornhole, um, which is one of our main sponsors to manufacture cornhole boards. Um, mm -hmm. and so we do manufacture cornhole boards and then work with all cornhole on cornhole bags. Um, uh, but we also have a, a great licensing program, um, across the country where we, we have over, over, you know, 60 different, uh, approved ACL bag manufacturers. So, um, cornhole is a BYOB bring your own bag sport. <laughs> um, so we do, we do have a certified list of bag manufacturers, um, that that uh, that that we allow um, to manufacture ACL approved bags. So um, so that's that's then those are scattered all over the country. But yeah, two two main facilities in Rock Hill. Okay, when you're getting ready to toss the the bag to the board across, are you supposed to stand right next to the board, or do you have like a little leeway? Are you not supposed to pass a certain point? Yeah, you have a. Um, a box uh, called the pitcher's box on either. And so on one side of the cornhole board. So if I, I have mm -hmm. to stand to the side of one of the board and I get a box that is the size of the board, but three feet, uh, the length of the board, but then three feet wide. So I can go three mm -hmm. feet out and all the way back to the back of the board. Uh, and then upon release of the bag, I cannot have my foot beyond the, uh, the front of the board, which is the foul line. Okay. Are there like refs? I'm sure there are refs. Like you guys have refs, correct? Yeah. So um, generally for our, our, all of our broadcast courts will have a referee on, on, mm -hmm. uh, on the court. Um, but we're not quite to the point yet. We're all, because I mean, when we go to a tournament we have our 200, we have 256 professional players 
And so when we go to those events um, with those players, those 256 players, um, you know, we'll have 64 sets of cornhole boards set up in a facility. So at this time, we don't have 64 referees at every single yeah. court. It is something that's kind of self-officiated, um, okay. you know, at the moment. There will come a time where that changes, but we're not we're not quite there just yet. Okay, okay. Because I was I was wondering, like, how do you qualify and become a ref? Like, do you? Yeah. You know, like how's that? How's that work? Our our broadcast court referee at the moment is 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 one of our national directors. So he knows he knows the rule book in and out, and he knows all those all those things. So we we, we put him up there. Okay, awesome. I need a you got a, a crazy cornhole story you you can share like something that just when this question is asked it just pops in your head like this one time. Um, you know, I always one of the things I always point to is you know what happened with us with COVID. I mean, we had an event canceled when COVID first hit. Ten, we had an event canceled 10 hours before it was supposed to start oh, um, when it first hit. And it was devastating for all of us. Um, but because our sport is non-contact, because it can be socially distanced, yeah. because we could abide by a lot of different protocols, we were able to pivot. And we went to our partners at ESPN and we just said, hey, look, we can put on these safe events. Let us have some airtime. And they said, you can have as much airtime as you want. And so nice. we literally, we were literally on ESPN in 2020 for eight straight week weekends on the main ESPN channel for four yeah. hours at a time. Yeah. And we were just, you know, just absolutely um, putting out as much content and broadcast as possible. And that's when we got that boom. And that was yeah. kind of our huge story. That's kind of our story in 2020 and why we had so moment, so much momentum in 2021 was because we just had so we had so many eyeballs on us because there was nothing else on and we were able to kind of take advantage and be agile and, and do those things and so it ultimately just led to a you know a big success for us and that was just you know that's that's that, that really helped us as we went into this year and, and and continues to help us as we continue to try and grow yeah, I think that's when I was introduced to the ACL was in co during the, the COVID time of last year because I was flipping through ESPN yep. and I'm like what Cornholes on TV? Like, what is this? Like, what what <laughs> exactly. is this? So, yeah, I, I was introduced during COVID time. And then uh, it was, like you said, it was just on and on. So I would watch it and then I would change the channel. Then I would flip yep. through and I'd watch it again. And I would stay a little longer. Then I would change the channel. I'm like, all right, okay. Yep. That's, you know, you can't help but appreciate, like, like cornholes on TV. Like, that's cool. That's cool. Like new sports yeah. getting their their time on TV, like that's cool to me. Like, good good for them, good for y'all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a big year for us. Yeah. So I'm, I have nothing but uh nothing but good vibes to give you guys, and I wish you guys nothing but luck in the future. I appreciate that. I appreciate your time yeah. on here, Trey. Shout outs before we before we go. I've taken enough of your time. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, anytime, if, if someone's interested in, in learning more, they can always go to iplaycornhole.com. Um, that always has all the most up-to-date information on our national schedule, on our broadcast schedule, as well as just how to get involved. If you're just looking to even start at your local Tuesday night blind draw bar league, um, you know, it's it, there, there are opportunities for everybody. So iplaycornhole.com. 
You can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can find us everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> all of them. You're on all, all of them. We're all over the place. Right on. Well, Mr. Trey Ryder, I appreciate the time. I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time and being a guest on the podcast. And uh, thank you so much. I just, I have a newfound love for cornhole. I, just, I love it. <laughs> I truly I do. I truly you, do. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I I appreciate you. This weekend, my neighbor, he has family over. I'm gonna tell him to, to pull him out. I'm gonna be like 27 feet. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. There you go. Let's I love go. it. I so, love it. Trey, thank you again for for your time, and I appreciate you being the guest. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. That is a wrap for the episode with my special guest, Mr. Trey Ryder, the Chief Marketing Officer of the American Cornhole League. And it was a very informative episode. Everybody loves cornhole. And I know after listening to that, you learned a a little more about cornhole and what their aspirations are in helping the sport expand, not only nationally, but globally. If you're interested and want to learn more, you can go to iplaycornhole.com and right there, that website will tell you everything you need to know about cornhole. If you want to reach out to American Cornhole League's Chief Marketing Officer, Trey Ryder, you can reach him on Instagram at treyrider707 or you can hit him up on Twitter at treyrider underscore ACL or you can follow the American Cornhole League on Instagram at American Cornhole League. Once again, thank you to Trey Ryder for taking the time out to be a guest on the on the show. I truly, truly appreciate you and appreciate your time. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a it was a fun one. I learned a lot. So when you when you see Cornhole on ESPN, you know, take the time, watch it, listen, learn. It's it's quite it's quite entertaining. So just be open minded, give everything a chance, and uh, you never know, you might just become the next American Cornhole League pro. Who knows? Who knows? But thank you all for listening and for tuning in. For those of you interested, um, you can watch it on YouTube. Just type in yet at the podcast or type in west coast rob and it's, it's uploaded on youtube but thank you guys for listening and make sure you do leave a comment a like you subscribe you tell your your friends about the episode until the next episode thank you guys again and gals for listening to today's episode with mr trey Ryder, american cornhole league's chief marketing officer and until the next episode yeah that <laughs>